Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Once again, and as always, coming to you live from the city of Detroit, Motown. Just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. We have an interesting show tonight. We won't be that long. We won't be that brief. But we are going to take a look at some of the other things that have been taking place in the world of science that we have, because of the preponderance of information that has been necessary to investigate, look at, and understand with COVID-19 concern, it appeared as if, it could be as if nothing else was going on. Well, this is not true. We've spent so much time getting into COVID that the other dangers in the world of science can slip by. Well... That's not true. Not tonight. We're going to touch on an array of subjects with the time that we have to ensure that we at least make a cursory review of the other items, the other events that are happening in the scientific world that we don't let something slip by without at the very least taking a quick look at it to make sure we are not totally ignorant. With that said, as the train approaches, Scientists at Yale University have been studying and taking a look at the long-term effects and the reports of medication that has had a death-dealing effect on us during the hot months of the summer. 
a lot of people with coronary heart disease that use beta blockers, which are an important medication that can improve your overall survival and quality of life. Likewise, aspirin and other antiplatelet drugs can reduce the risk of a heart attack. However, those protections can and have backfired during the hot weather months, a time when heart attacks are already more likely. In a study published this past August in the journal Nature Cardiovascular Research, it was found that among people suffering non-fatal heart attacks associated, non-fatal heart attacks associated with hot weather, an outsized portion are taking these heart medications. According to Dr. Chen, Kai Chen, who's an assistant professor in the Yale School of Public Health Department in Epidemiology, Environmental Health, there are two particular medications that have placed people at higher risk because of the medication that's supposed to help that did not. These particular safety precautions included cooling for people who needed to take precautions, like air conditioning or getting in a pool of water, air pollution, cold weather, and other external factors, environmental factors, can trigger heart attacks. There's growing evidence to suggest that hot weather can do so as well. However, epidemiologists are still working to identify which group of people are most vulnerable to environmentally triggered extremes. (laughs) Pardon me, I have the sniffle as the weather changes so that the contour and sensations in my nasal cavities and in my sinuses gives me the sniffles. So what methods can be used to identify these patients who are at risk to using some of the more simpler heart attack fighting remedies? Using a registry. The researchers analyzed 2,494 cases in which individuals experienced a non-fatal heart attack in Augsburg, Germany, during the hot weather months, May through September, between 2001 and 2014. They had already shown in previous research that exposure 
to either heat or cold made heart attacks more likely. They also calculated that heat-related heart attack rates would rise once the planet or global warming was warm by just two to three degrees Celsius or three and a half to five and a half degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Built on that research, the current study examined patients' medication use prior to their heart attack. They analyzed the data in a way that lets patients serve as their own control. This was done by comparing heat exposure on the day of the heart attack versus the same days of the week within the same month. That is, if a person had a heart attack on the third Thursday in June, the researchers compared their temperature exposure on that particular day to their temperature exposure on other days or the control Thursdays in the same month. It turned out that the use of beta blockers or antiplatelet medications were likelier to have heart attacks. Now, people take beta blockers and antiplatelet-causing medications, and they have found that the medication is causing the heart attack in conjunction or relationship with the outside temperature. So, for example, you're taking a beta blocker or an antiplatelet medication to give your heart and the blood that's being pumped through your heart a normalized consistency and it's an 85 to 90 degree day. The extreme in temperature in relationship or in combination with your medication, the likelihood of you having a heart attack just jumped up. Whereas the medication was supposed to make the likelihood of a heart attack go away. Antiplatelet medication use was associated with 60, a 63% increase in heart attack risk. And beta blockers, there was a 65% increase in the likelihood of a heart attack. People taking both a beta blocker and an antiplatelet forming medication were 75% more likely to experience a heart attack. But you would think that this would only happen possibly with hot weather. Well, extreme cold weather, when the temperatures drop below 10 degrees in temperature, or ambient air temperature outside. The likelihood of a heart attack was equal in the reverse as it was in the heat. Although it shows an association, 
the, the study did not prove that these medications caused the heart attack, nor can they make it that pe- make nor that they make people more vulnerable to heart attacks. It just indicated the likely possibility that a heart attack could occur. Still, one clue does suggest the medications could be the blame. They're still trying to figure this out. When scientists compared younger patients, 25 to 59 years of age, to the older ones, 60 to 74 years of age, they found, as expected, that the younger ones were a healthier group. So it is an age-related malady that potentially exists due to the combination of your medication and extreme weather, extreme heat, or extreme cold. The other clue that these two medications may render people more vulnerable for the most part other medications didn't show connections to heat-related heart attacks at all. And it seems, somehow, that my program is being edited out of existence for me. (laughs) So we're going to go until the clock no longer allows me to have programming. That said, let's take a look at something else. Let's take a look at something else. With respect to the American Heart Association. New American Heart Association scientific statement, which was released recently, indicates symptoms frequently overlapping other conditions. Well, let me do this. Getting ahead of myself here. A review of the related research highlights the most reported symptoms of various cardiovascular diseases, noting that men and women often experience different symptoms for cardiovascular disease. They're not one and the same. This is according to a new American Heart Association scientific statement published on August 18th of this year. In the statement, the association flagship peer-reviewed journal circulation. The statement also highlighted how symptoms are experienced over time, which may be months or years apart, depending upon the conditions externally and on a spectrum of severity or intensity, noting the long-term nature of cardiovascular disease. Where your diet, what you eat, 
becomes the overwhelming factor. Many people have a piss poor, far too much protein diet, such that cardiovascular disease becomes imminent due to higher carbohydrates, too much, too many carbohydrates, too much protein, too little of one, too much of the other. Meaning those persons who spend their time, they have to have a steak every day. And then you're eating your steak not fully cooked. You're pumping far too much protein into you and not enough vegetables, not enough starch. Too much starch and too little vegetables or no vegetables at all. Meat, 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 meat. You now become the potential victim of cardiovascular disease. Attach with that you're a smoker, vapor, or whatever other means of inhalated extreme you use, and alcohol. And these things now expose your risk to heart disease by far more than 85 to 90%. What do you do? What should you do? What must you do? Their friends and family, we have to eat better. We have to eat to live, but not just live so that we can eat. Weight fluctuation, obesity, improper usage of medication, all of these conditions lead to some form of sickness. However, heart disease is the number one. So I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, I'm cautioning you. I'd like to believe that I'm counseling you as I'm counseled myself. We have to look at our diets far better and exercise greater responsibility with what we take into our bodies. Because just as the psychological, the social and mental issues bring trauma to your life, our general state of mind where it comes to our physical health is also a a source chronic trauma. It has been recently admitted to as many women can tell you from their own personal experience, because something about it just didn't feel right anymore. 
chemicals in hair dye may increase the risk of cancer and pregnant people, especially women of color. You beautiful, idealistic black women out there, you're coloring your hair, you're putting all this poison crap in your hair and exposing yourselves to an extreme risk of cancer-causing agents due to those chemicals. Many of the chemicals used in cosmetics, whether it be your hair color or what you're putting on your face, and the consumer plastics that they use with these things are directly linked to adverse health effects. Researchers studied pregnant women to gauge their exposure to chemicals associated with cancer and kidney problems. Nearly all the women studied developed detectable levels of the chemicals in their bodies. But the women of color, the darker women of the planet, the indigenous women of the planet, had the most exposure. People who become pregnant might not realize that they are constantly exposed to chemicals that may impact their own health as well as the development of that unborn giant growing in their bellies. Several chemicals legally used in dishware, dyes, and plastics can and do leach into the food and water that you ingest. So it's easy to unknowingly ingest toxins that would never be approved for human consumption. That's laid bare in a new study published just yesterday by scientists with the National Institute of Health and Environmental Influences on children's health outcomes. This is known as the ECHO program. In the latest ECHO study, published in the journal Chemosphere, a team of researchers used methods to check for 45 suspected cancer-causing chemicals in urine samples. The study pool included 171 women who became pregnant between 2008 and 2020. Nearly all of the women included in the study had detectable levels in their urine of industrial chemicals that may impact the child development as well as maternal health. Researchers say the findings not only demand further research on chemicals in cosmetics, but they also echo a growing body of research on cancer risk in understudied populations. 
the highest level of chemical exposure were found in black and brown women. The chemicals are, these chemicals are widely used in plastics, paint, and dyes. Yes, sisters, I know you love your hair and you want to change the color of your hair to give you a vibrancy to look like somebody that you're not. But the trick in this bag of Halloween candy is you're giving yourself cancer. You're poisoning your body. Although these things are known to have toxic effects, the chemicals are widely used in the commercial products you handle every day. For example, melamine is used, and that's spelled M-E-L-A-M-I-N-E, is found in the dishware that you handle. It's found in the plastic bottles that you're handling that the dyes and other things are in. The kitchen countertops, the flooring, as well in the industrial pesticides that is sprayed on the food that you eat. So it's not just one thing. It is a cumulative buildup of these chemicals from several sources that is building up in your womb. Not only is it affecting the child that's there, it is also affecting you. In association with these cancers, there is an extreme high risk and the numbers are continue to rise of partial and full hysterectomy in women, black and brown women, under the age of 40. Early at 16 years of age, 16 to 40, and you're having a partial or total hysterectomy as a preventative to developing uterine cancer. Melamine is classified as a potential or possible carcinogen. Since researchers have yet to determine what level of exposure is associated with cancer in the human being. Most people are exposed to relatively low levels of melamine in their environment. But illegal use of chemicals in infant formula, and I, and I gotta ask, you're blessed and you're born with the capacity to produce your own formula. And yeah, there are going to be difficulties from time to time with a child being able to latch on. But there are means to extract the natural formula that God gave you that in your body out so that you don't have to use the chemically produced formula 
Oh, dear, don't worry about it. Just give your baby some Infamil, some Similac. These are all chemically, 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 chemically produced products that are not helping you or your child. In 2008, melamine was linked to at least six deaths and kidney dysfunction in about 300,000 infants in China. That chemical was later to be found in the infant formula and pet food. And it was officially recognized by the Chinese government as a kidney toxicant. Chemicals from a similar group called aromatic amines were found in more than 60% of the participants. Like other chemicals studied, aromatic amines are mainly used in industrial settings but can be but can be found in basic everyday consumer products that being hair dye and tattoo ink several aromatic amines have been linked to bladder cancer risk in human beings and have been found specifically in the animals that were studied that suggest that prenatal exposure also affects fetal development, making this group of chemicals high priority. Let me say it again, a high priority for future research to determine just how much is absorbed from usage. Research with the National Institute of Health gathered a diverse pool of women for the ECHO study. About one-third or 34% were white, 40% were Latina, and 20% black, 4% Asian, and the remaining 3% were from other groups of multiple racial groups, came from six states to represent different regions of the U.S. Across the board, the black women and the Latino women had higher levels of the harmful chemicals in their urine samples compared to their white counterparts. Separate studies of parabens or waxes and pathlates or pithlates, depending on how you pronounce it. Excuse me, and the pithlates being spelled P-H-T-H A-L-A-T-E-S. Two common chemicals used in cosmetics and hair products. 
revealed a disproportionate impact on black women. Study author or co-author, Dr. Jesse Buckley, Buckley, who's an associate professor at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, stated that it's disconcerting that we continue to find higher levels of many of these harmful chemicals in people of color. For instance, in the ECHO study, black and Hispanic women had levels of three, number three, and number four, dichloroaniline, a chemical used in the production of dyes and pesticides, more than double the levels detected in white women. You have to understand and begin to accept that our bodies are built different. Because we are built different, our chemical nature is different, though we do share a genetic relationship. Here's the example. Swine flesh, pig flesh, is immune to the poison that is inherently natural to that flesh such that regardless of the toxicity of the level of poison in the most poisonous of snakes bites a pig, there is no debilitating effect. The poison is ineffective. Yet that same pig were it to bite the snake, the snake will die from the bite of the pig. What is in that pig's flesh? Toxic. And us so foolish that we'll eat it, thinking that it does not produce a cumulative effect of poison in your body over time where you become susceptible to heart disease, diabetes, and weak bones. In order to do better, we have to know better. In order to know better, we have to become more open to our individual educational pursuits of the world around us. This is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. And we're not done yet. I'm going to try to get two more things in here before I get knocked off the air. Ah, here we go. In Science Tech Daily, 
August 27th of this year, the University of Cambridge has reported scientists have grown a synthetic embryo with a brain and a beating heart without the participation of egg or sperm. Scientists from the University of Cambridge have created what they call model embryos from mouse stem stem cells that form a brain, a beating heart, and the foundation of all other organs of the body. It represents a new avenue of recreating the first stages of life, sperm or egg. This is now a manufactured life form, not natural in nature. This team of research is led by Professor Professor Magdalena Zernika Getz developed this embryo model without eggs or sperm. Instead, they use stem cells. How they acquired them is still anybody's guess. The body's master cells, which can develop into almost any cell type in the body once given an instruction. By guiding the three types of stem cells found in early mammalian development to the point where they start interacting, the researchers mimicked non-naturally the process in the lab of natural life. The scientists were able to get the stem cells to talk to one another, like one computer talking to another, by inducing the, in, the expression of a particular set of genes and establishing a unique environment for their interactions. <laughs> now, it is already understood and known that people do not want to eat genetified or genetically modified organisms as a food source. Yet, you now have developed a genetically modified organism as a source of life. The stem cells self-organized into structures that progressed through the successive developmental stages until they had a beating heart and the foundations of a brain. They also had the yolk sac where the embryo develops and gets nutrients from in its first week. Unlike synthetic embryos, the Cambridge research developed models reached a point where the entire brain, including the anterior portion, 
began to develop, which then extends into a spinal column, connecting the rest of the body via nerves. This is a further point in development that has been achieved in any other stem cell derived model. According to the team, their results could help researchers, so they say, understand why some embryos fail and while other embryos go on to develop in a healthy pregnancy. That's what you're saying, what you're looking to produce is artificial life. In addition, they're saying the results could be used to guide and repair the development of synthetic human organs for transplantation. I'll repeat. You don't want to eat genetically modified organism as food. Why would you attach it and make it a part of your body? Did something wrong. The study is the result of more than a decade of, decade of research progressively led to more and more complex embryo-like structures. As I said, this was reported on August 25th of this year in the journal Nature Magazine. I'm going to stop this right there, right here, so that I don't get abruptly cut off on air, and I'll close it out myself. There's an unnatural man on our planet, and this unnatural man is looking to find another unnatural way to survive, becoming end of his synthetic species. He is a grafted man, and a grafted man will do grafted things to survive. It is the general rule of nature that the strong will live and the weak survive, and that which is non-natural cannot survive in a natural society. There will always be conflict. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. And instead of playing a continuous flow of pre-recorded programs, which I have used multiple times over the past years, I'm not going to do that to you, my beloved friends, family, and guests. I will close the program out, and Allah willing, I will be back with you next week with more. But I remind you, as the crackle of thunder takes place behind me, there is a living God amongst us today, and he has come back to reclaim his home. Be mindful. Be open. Be aware. And listen to that voice as he speaks to you in your heart mind. And allow him to inspire you to 
take a step forward. To do so, we must keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. I saw him Good night.